0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of the Crosswalk Podcast. I am your host, Cross Fuller, and on today's episode, I have a very special guest, that being Ms. Ann Fine, a Beard High School AP Literature and Composition teacher. She is also the Ethics Bowl Co-Advisor and the Advisor of the Senior Committee, and she is here with me now. How are you, Ms. Fine?
1: I am well this morning. Thank you, Cross.
0: Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and just dive right into it, so can you tell me a little bit about Yourself a little bit more about your background.
1: Okay, so um, of course I am a Bearden English teacher, and um, I've been teaching for about oh 28 years now. And um, I am passionate about my subject. I am passionate about literature. I have a master's in uh, literature and a bachelor's in English secondary ed. So. so yeah, um, I came here to Knoxville about oh, eight years ago, and this is my seventh year at Bearden High School.
0: Awesome. So did you teach somewhere else other than Bearden prior oh, to coming yeah. here? Mm-hmm. So where yeah. else did you teach at?
1: So um, I most of my previous experience is in the private sector. Um, with um, uh, University School of Jackson and then an elementary middle school that my daughters attended. When I went back to work, I got a job at the school where they attended just to make it easier for the family. Um, And then my last place before I came here was um, Dyersburg High School in Dyersburg.
0: Very cool. So which one have you enjoyed the most?
1: Yes, I would have to say that um, my favorite... um, school uh, was um, the um, elementary middle school that my children attended when I was uh, teaching at the school with them because I got to see them you know grow up and become themselves and and we all had the same schedule so I was like um, involved in everything that they did so that was a lot of fun for me and very meaningful time in my life Um, but I would have to say as far as like high schools go Bearden is slowly becoming my favorite. The students here are fantastic. Um, I get to teach what I'm so passionate about. And, um, and yeah. So, um, it was, uh, at first, I didn't think it was such a good move for me. But now, you know, seven years later, um, I believe that it is and was a
0: good move for me. So, why did you question the move originally?
1: Oh, because in Dyersburg... Um, it, it's a smaller school, and again, I was teaching what um, I was teaching what I was trained to do, and um, I think honestly, I didn't account for coming to a new school and having to somewhat start off doing something that you had already done as a, in my journey as a teacher, I'd already done, and I and I was honestly probably a little impatient with the idea that you know, hey, wait a minute. This is my passion, and this is what I've been doing, and I had to kind of, like, take a step back. and um, Because there were other people who have the same passion and were doing the same things that I like to do. So I just had to wait. And so those first, that especially that first year here, was kind of a difficult transition.
0: I get really that. Was. So your favorite school out of all of them is elementary school. Is that because your kids went there? Because yes. I find that interesting. Okay, yes. it is because of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you get, you didn't get to teach AP literature at elementary school. No, no, okay. no,
1: no, 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 no. And actually, one of the, after my youngest uh, moved on to high school, that's when I went back and got my graduate degree, because they were no longer there, and I, I realized that I was really there for the family and for them, but my passion, I'd always wanted a master's in lit, so um, my oldest had started to drive, I had to wait for her to start to drive. And she was a sophomore, and she got her license, so um, Mom got to uh, go to Memphis and, you know, follow one of her goals
0: and dreams. Very cool. That's awesome. So speaking of literature, what are some of your personal favorite novels that you enjoy reading or enjoy teaching?
1: Um, Oh, my gosh. I have got several, several, several. You know, it's hard. for me to pick just one, but the ones so one that I read this summer is called A Gentleman from Moscow. Some of our some of your listeners may have read it already. I've I've come across some students who have actually read it and some um colleagues who have read it. So I think that will become um like a modern, a modern classic, if you will. Um, of course, as I lay dying, as 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 you know, we were talking about earlier, and um Frankenstein, The Kite Runner, Beloved. Oh my gosh, if you want to talk about like really experiencing and and using fiction to experience what other people are going through and what other people have to put up with in their lives, um Beloved is one of those. Um yeah, The Kite Runner if you want to understand what what one simple act will, you know, will um let's see what's the word I'm looking for. Will um shape you or haunt you until you deal with it um you know the kite runner is a perfect way to engage and experience that i feel like that's the same
0: thing or the same way with frankenstein i know when i read it with you last year um the main character he had to come with like he had to come to understanding what his actions had consequences uh for everything he did especially when he created frankenstein the monster himself is there a similarity between both of those books?
1: Yeah, of course. When you, when you look at books that are, um, that, you know, we talk about books that, you know, are so old or outdated and we don't want to read them anymore. But when you really look at, you know, themes and universal ideas and humanity or elements of humanity that are, that are intertwined or paralleled or, or talked about or expressed or explored, I should say, in a book, they all have, they all have this, some of them of the same. And so Frankenstein is a story about a man who somewhat has tunnel vision, okay? And he can't see what, what his actions are doing to other people. Um, and so if you think about, um, if you think about Frankenstein if, and you think about all that he did and all the people he loved and sur- people who surrounded him, they all died. They all died. Only his mother, you know, died of natural causes. The rest of them were somewhat uh, indirectly or directly related to Victor Frankenstein's Victor Frankenstein's refusal um, to see how he affected others. And so when you read that and you talk about that in class, then you are exposing students, Bearden High School students, to situations <clears throat> and ideas that maybe they'll never come across. So so when you talk about um, leadership, you, you want students to understand those things. Even if they can't experience them themselves in their own lives, you want them to at least have a connection in their head to be better leaders and to be better human beings. Um, you know, on the flip side of Frankenstein, don't forget that the creature, too, was this... <clears throat> um, uh, abandoned he was abandoned and so you know what happens to human beings when you know we in abandon them or you know when we just betray them or don't think about you know how they're feeling and so you know Frankenstein has a Frankenstein has a lot of good lessons.
0: Yeah I think you touched on quite a few. A lot. <laughs> so the first one I want to dive into is you talk about we just compared Kite Runner and Frankenstein to each other and you said it's representation of humans and human nature is this because human nature has not changed over time like we we read these books to understand the past yet it's still our current future just with different circumstances
1: exactly and so you know i was listening to a a podcast myself um what is the name of it um coaching for leaders believe it or not i listened to that on my runs and walks they're like you know Listen to this podcast and listen to that one, too.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: But, um, so, they were talking about literature one day and how literature actually, you know, is one of those elements that we tend to, like, throw to the side and not realize. Even the ones that we would call, like, um, the ones that we would say, oh, that's, like, written in 1600. Why would I read that? What does that have to do with me today? Well, because being human... Is being human, right? And so Shakespeare, one of the first humanists, was the first person to explore what it meant to grieve, what it meant to be jealous, what it meant to, you know, have family relationships, you know, what it meant to be asked in Hamlet, to asked to do something that is is for your father, but it's totally against what you believe as a christian or what you the what you believe as as, as as a human and so he was asked to murder somebody and so you know um that you know those kind of things come up in our lives so to think to think that we don't need to read those and this is what i got from that podcast to think that we don't need to read that is almost like we believe that our society is perfect
0: mm-hmm.
1: right Very and much. so we're not, and so if you think about it, think about what people will think about us a hundred years from now right and to to ignore maybe Shakespeare or anybody else that has written something in a in a past um decade or you know in a past century in the sixteen hundreds is. According to them, the, the I thought it was very interesting. is It's is is kind of arrogant on our part to think that we can't learn something, whether we believe it or not, still believe it or not, to think that we can't learn something
0: from reading sure I agree with that. Um, so you've mentioned a lot of other topics when talking about Frankenstein and Kite Runner and Hamlet. I think another thing is, especially with Hamlet, is sacrifice. I think that's a big one you talked about. You know, Hamlet has to make a choice. Um, you know, either sacrifice and take the guilt on himself or he makes the decision to um, murder his new father. So I think that's a big part about leadership. You know, sacrifice comes in whenever you don't want it majority of times, but you have to make a choice and there's only only two and there's always consequences good or bad with both. What's your opinion on that? and How does literature play into that?
1: Yeah, so um, again, I think that, yeah, so whether it's sacrifice or trust, um, so a lot of you guys know or some of you guys know that if you walk into my room, there's a whole list of universal ideas on the wall.
0: Yep, and we use them during mm-hmm. our 40-minute prose and uh, poetry pieces. Yes, yes we and do. so
1: that's those are those things that connect to what it means to be human and what it means to uh, walk on this earth and have a connection with another human being and so sacrifice is part of that you know parents sacrifice all the time Um, teachers sacrifice all the time there are different extremes of sacrifice but of course remember when when you're reading literature um, the author or the poet or the playwright is going to uh, Create an extreme. He he or she creates that extreme so that he's sure that you get it right. And so, uh, um, so yeah, Shakespeare's talking about grief with Hamlet, but he is also talking about sacrifice. And I think um, leaders need to understand that that you know that you don't that leaders are not up in the front. Leader leaders are in the back. And, you know, if you're truly want to, you know, lead your team or lead your group, you have to imagine yourself with, imagine the team without you and um, empower them rather than, you know, you being up in the front, whether it, you know, I can't even think of an example, but, you know, you putting yourself first before them. They have to come first and ultimately it's a sacrifice for you, but ultimately the whole team will improve because that, ex- that leads them to believe you trust them, you're willing to go to bat for them, um, you're transparent with them, um, you respect them, um, and so, yeah. So that's, to me, that all wraps up in the idea of sacrifice.
0: I think that's well said. <clears throat> you know, I'm currently in Leadership 3, Right now, we're reading a book called Leaders Eat Last. I've read this book a few times. Uh, It's written by Simon Sinek. Love the guy. Love what he preaches. And the whole concept within the title is Leaders Eat Last. So one of the topics he talks about is like, you know, when you're at a formal ceremony, you're the president or the leader of your club. Like, you should be the last person to eat in your most freshman in high school terms or your most junior person. They get to eat first. It makes them feel warm and welcome to the family. And the whole concept is, is like, to sacrifice and to be a servant leader or just lead properly, in our opinion, I would say is what you just touched on, is you have to be in the trenches, but your people always are put first rather than yourself. You're always yeah. putting yourself second. Yeah. That's the mantle you took, you brought upon yourself.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, if you're patient, ultimately it will play out the best for all. Whether you may not feel it, because hey, you're human too, right? And so you want to jump to the front or, you know, oh, I've got this, so I'm going to do whatever first or or something like that. But you're human too, so it, it takes patience and it takes courage to do that. Um, but ultimately, in the end, I think it's best for the team or the group or the classroom. I, I mean, teachers are leaders, and, and I don't mean that in the sense of like um, – leaders like with their colleagues. Teachers are leaders in the classroom and I think students students respond to that and, and recognize that, you know, when when a teacher may ask a simple thing like, okay, um, you know, when would you like this, when when can you get this project done? Right? And so it's giving them, it, it, it shows respect, shows that you trust them, um, and it shows that you're transparent. And, you know, so even that, for teachers, is is something to think about.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think <coughs> teachers make some of the hardest sacrifices that uh, most people get to see in their life, um, especially with hearing a bunch of people's different stories. Not everyone is given, the, I guess, I wouldn't say the chance, but they don't get to see everything. So teachers is a great, great, uh, I guess, example of being able to see that. So bringing it back full circle, back to literature, we talk about sacrifice, and we talk about what it means to be human, and we talk about the courage and the guilt. These are a lot of common traits, would you say, in literature uh, pieces, these universals that you talked about?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, so a good piece of literature, and granted, there are a lot of, bu- there are a lot of books out there, but, um, and some are plot-driven, and that's good too, but, um, some that you might find, you know, uh, as like a, a winning, award-winning book or a book that maybe like your, your 10th grade English teacher might choose or something. He or she is going to choose that because it, it has certain, um, it, 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 it um, speaks to certain human, human traits and, and certain parts of humanity, elements of humanity. So um, um, those those always come up and and it's a good thing to be in a class that like discusses and 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 talks about books that are read I mean um so you wouldn't want to just read a book and you know for the most part
0: take an objective test and call it a done day yeah and
1: never talk about it because then you're missing the whole point of you know you're missing the whole author's purpose I mean, I can't imagine an author who wrote a book, The Great Gatsby, thinking that someday somebody was going to take a hundred question multiple choice test on the book.
0: Oh boy, that'd be hard. Very difficult. Uh, Yeah.
1: um, You know, he wrote it because he saw things within the 1920s that he didn't like. And so um, sometimes we call, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, uh, a dead white male, right? But he saw things that. we probably, we do still have today, and they're still part of our environment today, and so we, we need to, like, discuss those, respectfully discuss those.
0: And I think you touched on a great point. So, we talk about The Great Gatsby and all these other novels. Is that an indication why these authors write them, because we lack them as leaders today in today's world? Is that a big reason why, you know, the English curriculum might teach these things to kids?
1: Um, yes, I would say, I know here at Bearden, which is, a uh, you know, I'm going to plug Bearden's English department here, which is one of the reasons why, um, you know, we're such a good, strong department, is because we have, all of our teachers are very um, connected to what their students need and what's happening in the world today, and um, how whatever they choose to expose them to will help them, okay, and so... In today's world where we have a lot of like back and forth on the internet or social media, whatever, you know, we're missing that, um, that like conversation, you know, you type something into a Facebook or a tweet or something like that, it's very short, it's very blunt and it's almost like you're not. You're you're like it's just you're one side. You're not
0: embracing the ambiguity of the gray. Yeah. Behind a manner.
1: Yeah, and you're not engaging with the other person. I mean, and and so um, I know that beard and teachers, beard and English teachers, pull things because we want you guys to learn. Um, and be exposed to certain parts of the environment that you're living in now. So if you take a piece of literature, a text like The Great Gatsby, then you pull the ideas from it, and then you connect it. And you have the students do it, connect it to what is happening today. And I guarantee you, it'll work
0: every single time. So you touched on an interesting piece. (laughs) We're talking about The Great Gatsby that was written several years ago. And we can make connections now into our daily lives in our era. Why is it so hard for us to change and not come up with resolutions that we obviously know or we think is wrong back then and yet we still continue in today?
1: Oh, gosh. I th- I think because we're human and there is that part of us that, you know, believes that, you know, our way is always the best way. Um. And I think one of the dangers in that is that if you don't, just like as I said earlier, you know, if you think that your society and what you're living in now is, is perfect, then you're kind of missing the, the, the point of progress, right? And so progress is a journey. It's not really a like, hey, I did this and I'm done. And so in order to start that journey, you need to go back. You know, and, to reflect. Yeah, to reflect and to see what other people have done, right, and what other people have said. So um, I think it's hard to change because first you have to understand um, that there's more out there, and that's hard for people to do. They uh, they only see you know what's in maybe their little world or what's around them. And um, they have uh, sometimes, I have to remind myself all the time, sometimes it's hard to open up open yourself up and say, wait a minute, let me think about where that person came from, okay? And let me think about how that person, uh, what that person may have experienced in high school or what might have been going on in his or her world when he or she was forming at 16, 17, 20, 25, 30 that influences or that brings them to what, you know, what they say and who they are. Um, and so um, that's, I think... It's hard to do that, and I have to remind myself every day to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know what's funny is our first episode with Cody Martin was all about empathetic leadership. And I think you just nailed empathy on the head. Is It's the golden rule. You have to put yourself in other shoes. And speaking of the golden rule, when I think of the golden rule, I think of, again, Atticus Finch, To Kill a Mockingbird. I think that's the biggest lesson I learned into yeah. To Kill Mockingbird. I mean, would you agree with that yeah. assessment?
1: Wasn't that a great quote? You know, if you want to understand a person, you something like that, you have to put yourself in his shoes. Choose. Yep. Right? And so, an awesome quote. And Atticus Finch to, me, Finch, to me, is one of the most courageous characters in American literature. If you think about uh, what he did with his children and what he, you know, tried to do with Tom Robinson and how he tried to change, change the thinking people when he sat outside the, the jail that night right yeah, Trying yeah. And to perfect him and so major major uh, courageous man there um, and so yeah I think um, empathy is about experience right sympathy is about situations but empathy if you, you know if you really think about it, empathy is about you want to connect to their experiences and it's very hard to do that unless you've somewhat um, put your, immerse yourself in that experience, right? And so reading helps you do that. And so, um, for example, uh, uh, the crucible in John Proctor, it, you know, when he dies at the end and is hanged at the end, um, you get all of these emotions. In, in literature, we call it the catharsis. And you get all of these, um, oh, actually Aristotle called it that, but we still use it. And so you get these emotions um, that are swirling around in your body, if you think about it, in your head and in your heart, and um, and so those are experiences that help you understand how to be empathetic, you know, and so that you can understand or that you can experience just a little bit. Because not every leader is going to experience everything that his team has experienced or her team,
0: right? And that's what makes a team. Diversity, I would argue, makes the best team. Yes. Allows everyone to bring in their own experiences and make collaboration for greatness
1: yes but the leader has to
0: draw together yeah very yeah, much true yeah well miss fine i just want to say thank you for joining me on this episode you i think are welcome. You, you brought up some great points and uh for any high scores listening to this episode please take ap literature as well as ap length they correspond greatly to each other and um thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening to the second episode of the crosswalk podcast and i will see you very shortly in episode three. Thank you.